Daniel. Um, this will be a rather long series, but I tried to maybe not do an entire chapter for chapter one, but because of uh, the nature of this particular chapter, we will read through the entire first chapter of Daniel, chapter one. So um, I am sorry to ask, but if you're able, and if you don't feel able, I understand if you don't want to stand for the whole reading, but let's stand if you're able as we read together Daniel 1. In the third year of the king, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Then the king ordered um, Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles, youths in whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had ability for serving in the king's court. And he ordered him to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank, and appointed uh, that they should be educated three years, at the end of which they would enter the king's personal service. Now among them from the sons of Judah was Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and um, Az- Azariah. Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them, and to Daniel he assigned the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food, or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youths who are your own age? Then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. But Daniel said to the overseer whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days, and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearances be observed in your presence and the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food. And deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, their appearance seemed better, and that they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. So the overseer continued to withhold their choice food and the wine they were to drink, and kept giving them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Then at the end of the days which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar.
the king talked with them, and out of them all not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. As for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all his realm. And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. Let's pray. Our glorious Lord, thank you for this, your word. And we pray that you would give us even the wisdom of Daniel. Help us to be wise by means of this, your word, and through your Holy Spirit. For we ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. How does wisdom demonstrate itself? Uh, you might wonder and say, I think wisdom demonstrates itself in matters concerning issues such as diet. And in this particular book, it seems to show that Daniel demonstrates it in that way. But also we find that there's a little bit of a preview here that this chapter, especially the end, gives us a preview of what's going to happen throughout the entire book. I know this is strange for a little bit of an introduction, but it says about Daniel being one who was able, this is verse 17, able to understand all kinds of visions and dreams. That is not apparent yet in this first chapter. By the end of this first chapter, they're only being introduced to King Nebuchadnezzar. But what's going to happen is throughout the remainder of this book, we're going to see Daniel presenting himself, interpreting dreams and visions, and being invaluable to many of the pagan kings that he serves. We're going to look at today's text, though, under two main headings. God's discipline upon Judah. And then secondly, Daniel's wisdom and resolve. Now, when I say Daniel's wisdom and resolve, there's also the wisdom of his companions as well. But let's look at this first main point, God's discipline upon Judah. The opening of this book sets the stage for a great tragedy. It says, The third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now, one source I looked at said that this happened in the year 606 B.C. So, that was a great and utter tragedy with which this book begins. Now, we just finished studying the minor prophet Micah. And it's very interesting, I find, that Micah was guided by the Holy Spirit to foretell what was going to come. He said this in Micah 4.10. Writhe and labor to give birth, daughter of Zion, like a woman in childbirth, for now you will go out of the city to dwell in the field and go to Babylon. It was foretold by this man, Micah, that they were going to go to Babylon. Uh, we'll find out that, uh, well, you ladies could probably tell that giving birth is one of the most painful experiences you, you can imagine. And 
the siege of Jerusalem was one of the most painful experiences that could ever be imagined by the people there in Jerusalem. A horrible, terrible, grievous, gruesome experience likened unto the pain of going through childbirth. Now, Israel, the northern kingdom, had already been made taken captive. But now we have Judah, the southern kingdom, taken captive. It's their turn. Notice in verse 2 that this is all the Lord's doing. It was the Lord who gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. That is, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 2. It's because of the unrepentant sin of idolatry, immorality, bribery, theft, covetousness, lying, you name it. It's because of their unrepentance for this wickedness that God even brought this to happen in the first place. This is God's judgment upon them. Um, I want us to look a little bit at a preview of God foretelling through the prophet Isaiah how this was all going to come to pass. Look back, keep your place in Daniel, but look back at first, at 2 Kings 20. 2 Kings chapter 20. This is uh, Isaiah going before Hezekiah. Now this is starting at verse 12. 2 Kings 20 starting at verse 12. At that time, Baradak Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick. Hezekiah listened to them and showed them all his treasure house, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious oil, and the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasuries. There was nothing in his house, nor in all his domain, that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say, and from where have they come to you? And Hezekiah said, They have come from a far country, from Babylon. He said, What have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasuries that I have not shown them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, in the the days are coming when all that is in your house and all that your fathers have laid up in store to this day will be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. Some of your sons who shall uh, issue from you You will beget, will be taken away, and they will become officials in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then Hezekiah said, The word of the Lord, which uh, you have spoken, is good. For he thought, Is it not so that there will be peace and truth in my days? All right, so I probably wouldn't have said that. I think I would have been grieving for my great-grandchildren or whoever it would be. But Hezekiah was happy that he didn't have to see it with his eyes. But this prophecy of Isaiah, that everything that they have, all of their wealth, all of their treasuries would be taken away and taken to Babylon, came to pass. And we find that in Daniel, 
it says in Daniel chapter 1, verse 2, that some of the vessels of the house of God, uh, that he, Nebuchadnezzar, brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. So, the main reason, the main reason for why this judgment happened is because of sin and wickedness and unrepentance. You could say that the king showing off all of his wares and his treasury and his armory and all of his gold and silver was another contributing factor, um, but was uh, something you, maybe you could say it was an issue of sin of pride, maybe, perhaps, but God did bring that to pass. So it did come to pass that everything valuable was taken over to Babylon. But as was told by Isaiah to Hezekiah, that even something more valuable, you could say, than gold, their young people. Their young people were going to be taken captive and to serve, even their best were to serve in the, uh, um, with the king of Babylon there. Now look at Daniel 1. 3 through 7. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy. Then the king ordered um, Ashpenaz, the chief of the officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles, youths in whom there was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had ability for serving in the king's court and he ordered him to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. We'll stop there for now, but verse 3 mentions that they were of the royal family and of the nobles, as the prophet Isaiah foretold. These young men were evaluated for their intelligence, and based upon how intelligent they were, they were deemed whether they were fit to be, in, to be trained for a period of three years to then serve under uh, the king himself in his royal palace. Um, one uh, group of scholars, um, it's, uh, they wrote something concerning the, ch the name changes. You notice that we read earlier about them having their names changed. Why would the Babylonians do that? Uh, Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown gave us a little bit of analysis, and they said this. They gave them names, or they changed their names, and it was a design to make a new relation that they might forget their former religion and that they might forget their former country or their former nation. In other words, change their identity, in a sense, by changing their names. Um, each of these men that are mentioned here in, in today's text had a name with a god honoring meaning and then they were then changed some to even have names of pagan um, origin let's look at the first one uh, Daniel Daniel actually meant God my judge this is all according to Jameson Fawcett and Brown so Daniel meant God my judge his name was changed to Belteshazzar which meant Bell's Prince in other words, the prince of Bel. Um, Hananiah meant whom Jehovah hath favored. His name was changed to Shadrach. That means the king, or that is the son. 
that's a kind of a, a steaming name, I guess. Mishael uh, in Hebrew was who is comparable to God. Remember, that's that glorious question that was asked by Micah at the end of his prophecy. Who is like unto our God? No one. But his name was changed to Meshach. And that is a derivative of Shishak, which is the name of a Babylonian goddess. So he probably got the worst one of all. He got a name derived of a, from a Babylonian goddess. Azariah, whom Jehovah helps. And his name was changed to Abednego, servant of the shining fire. So we find out that their names were changed and they have some, some of them even having pagan background to these new names. But in the midst of all this, God uses these captive young men and they shine forth, especially Daniel. They shine forth and having wisdom and resolve. Now, before getting to this very interesting issue of Daniel's resolve that he would not eat the king's delicacies, I want you to pay special attention to verse 8. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. The word here, defilement, is very important if you remember the laws concerning Jews eating what was clean or not clean, clean or unclean. They were not allowed to eat certain foods that were declared unclean. And I can imagine maybe it might be difficult to trust the cooks in the kitchens of Babylon to distinguish between clean and unclean meat. And you probably couldn't tell what kind of meat was served in this or that dish and maybe Daniel was doubtful of that, and maybe he just asked that they would only be given vegetables um, to eat, beans, rice, lentils, all, all that sort of thing. Um, I don't understand how drinking the king's wine would have made him defile, but maybe um, he wanted his wits about him to serve as, uh, in his occupation, and he didn't want to be um, having any temptation for drunkenness. Um, verse 9 says that God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. Even though he was given favor, Daniel took some persuasion to convince them to go the route of letting them not eat the king's choice foods. Um, in verses um, following, it tells you that they are given a test, and the test is one of appearances. Let's Let's put the test on whether or not we appear healthier. Because the, the men were concerned, these Babylonian officials were concerned that the Jews, these young Jewish men, would look haggard by eating this diet of, uh, that's more vegetarian. Uh, look at verses uh, 15 and 16. At the end of 10 days, their appearance seemed better, and they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. So the overseer continued to withhold their choice food and the wine that they were to drink and kept giving them vegetables. Now you might say to yourself, man, 
I wonder what was that choice food. It might be something that's full of cream and fat, cheese and meat and sugar. The most, deli- the most delicious desserts you can imagine. But what's an interesting part of history is that a lot of times I remember reading about the kings of old who were wealthy would eat this really extravagant diet of choice food. And one thing that a lot of these kings were afflicted with was things like gout because they were always eating this choice food. It was choice food for deliciousness, but it wasn't choice food for health. But the commoners who ate basically whatever they could raise up from the ground and very rarely probably couldn't even afford meat that much, they didn't have the diseases that these kings had. Um, I've heard a saying once that if you eat a king's diet, you get a king's diseases, the kings of old. Um, Dan uh, Bootner wrote a book about the blue zones, and I've spoken about this on a Wednesday night, I think, maybe, or maybe Sunday school in the morning. But uh, he wrote this book about the, the blue zones. The blue zones are the healthiest places in the world where people live to at least 100 or over. And these folks don't eat choice food on a regular basis. A lot of times it's places where they can't really afford eating meat three, four, five times a day. Um, they would might eat meat three or four times a week. But those people live to 100 years old. Again, uh, choice food is not always choice for your, for your health. Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 10.23, All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. 1 Corinthians 10.23 It's lawful according to the New Testament to eat. There's no more distinction between clean and unclean. You could eat your pork. You could eat whatever you want, but it doesn't mean that it's always profitable. Lawful, but not profitable. Notice the excellent wisdom that was given unto Daniel. In verse 17, though, we're moving on from that diet issue. Verse 17 says, As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. I I can't stress the importance of this issue. Imagine being a king, a ruler, um, an emperor, a ruler of an empire, which he was, Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian Empire, and you have to make these important decisions. And you have a prophet of God who can interpret dreams, who can tell you the future of what will come to pass and what you should or should not do. Nothing could be more invaluable than having a man like that. And we'll find that out more and more as we study this book of Daniel, how important Daniel was. Uh, Verses 18 through 21 go on and give us more detail at how very important these men were and how much they were able to accomplish. Verses 18 through 21. Then at the end of the days, which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and out of them all 
uh, out of them all, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. As for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all his realm. And Daniel reigned until the first year of Cyrus the king. The history behind Daniel serving. I don't know the longevity of the other men, but the history behind Daniel serving, some say that he started in his teens. We don't, the scripture doesn't say that. They say they were young men. Maybe they could be younger 20s or teens. But his service continued even until his 80s. Can you imagine serving that long for that many kings for that period of time? It's mentioned here that he continued into the first year of Cyrus the king. Again, as we, we study this book of Daniel, this chapter is an overview of what is to come to pass. It mentions uh, these youths and Daniel and, and how he's interpreting dreams and how he's going to be used for the sake of these pagan kings and God is going to reveal great things. God gave amazing wisdom to Daniel. But one thing that's going to be revealed later on in, in this uh, book of prophecy is that Daniel is going to talk about the coming Messiah. He's like a stone falling from heaven that is going to come and crush the kingdoms of this world and he's going to grow into a, his kingdom will grow into a mighty mountain that will fill the whole earth. It's a little bit of a preview of some of what's going to be revealed in this book, but I think it's magnificent. There are kingdoms who sought to undo and to squash the Christian religion. But Christianity has come into the world and has spread to every continent, almost every continent at least, and has spread to many nations and has spread throughout the entire world. And yes, there are people who have fallen away from the church. Yes, there is uh, unbelief and pagan teachings and school systems and other things that have turned people away from the church. But the church continues to spread. And it's like a kingdom that will fill, like a mountain, that will fill the entire earth. So the question is, Daniel's wisdom is something to be esteemed. He's one of the wisest men of the entire Old Testament. But he pointed to one who's even far wiser. Jesus Christ, in whom is the fullness of all wisdom and honor and glory. And it is this Jesus Christ that unless you have him as your wise counselor and your advocate and judge you will not stand in the sight of the Father on that great day of judgment. Embrace Jesus Christ, the one who was even wiser than Daniel, the one whom Daniel uh, saw in great visions. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we thank you for what you have taught us through uh, the prophet Daniel. We thank you for the wisdom that you have given unto him. We thank you for Daniel's being a man of great uh, wise counsel, 
one to interpret dreams and visions. And we thank you even for that one greater than Daniel, even Jesus Christ our Lord, whom uh, this prophet appointed to. Help us, we pray, that Jesus Christ would be our wisdom, our salvation, our great advocate, and even our Savior. Help us to cling to him and to worship him. Help us in all this, for we ask it all in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. For our closing hymn, I want us to turn to 534. Fill thou my life, O Lord my God. Let's stand and sing 534.